You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Praise Lord. I want, to, I want to give a couple of words of knowledge, and we don't have a lot of time in this service, but I want you to just to know in the atmosphere, there's such a presence of the Lord here. I mean, you just, this, the, the worship team led us somewhere today. There's such a presence of the Lord. You can grab a miracle any moment in this service. Last Sunday night, we did a, a healing service, and it was interesting how many people came out because of all the news. The realization is God is a healer. He doesn't care what the news is. He's a healer. And this woman came, and she was born deaf, and she was healed in that service, just in the atmosphere. I never prayed for her. Just in the atmosphere, she was, her, her deaf ears open, and she can hear clearly now. How many of you know you're going to be able to hear clearly, see clearly, experience clearly. It doesn't take a lot for God to work a miracle. It just takes you just receiving it. And so in the first service, the Lord said, I'm healing the thorax. I'm healing the throat. I'm, I'm restoring people's financial pictures so that they don't have foreclosure. In the second service, he said, a long-term sinus infections are being healed. reason I'm releasing these in the third service is because you can get all of them. All right. Glaucoma, he said, glaucoma and vision issues are being healed in this service. Uh, someone in your arch, the arch of your feet are going to be healed while we're just preaching. And then someone with a twisted ankle, you twisted it and it's been, hasn't healed and you're in pain. And God's taking away that pain right now. Amen? It's all happening in this service. I want to talk to you today. Uh, we're in a series this month at Awaken. We're in a series on people on purpose. How many of you know you, you, have, you have a purpose? You're on purpose. I want to I wanna talk to you today about being positioned on purpose. Your positioning in life is not accident. I know that we think that sometimes we just get this life that lemons and things or problems are brought. But I want you to know God positions you on purpose. Circumstances position you on purpose. As my wife said, if you are looking at darkness, void, and empty, there's a purpose to it. It's not a random thing. God doesn't allow anything random to happen in the earth. Everything is there to activate you or you to activate it. Everything is for you to actually engage. Nothing is accidental. Nothing challenged. Nothing, no, there's no challenge that, is, that God's going, man, I sure didn't see that coming. I remember when the crisis of 2008 happened. 2008, I remember looking out and everybody's nervous about what's going to happen. Financial problems, circumstances, people losing money, global recession, global this, global problems. I looked out in the backyard, my backyard, and, we, and, and it was like a thousand birds in my backyard just descended. And they were eating, they were eating out of my grass. They were picking worms and they were eating in, and we had this little pool that was, they're splashing around. They're like this eating. I'm like, and God says, they're not worried. Why are you? Like, 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 he's like, I didn't get caught off guard with this. You should know if I provided for them that I've also provided for you. And, and by the way, your backyard is my provision for them. You guys didn't get that. I want to talk to you today about being positioned being positioned on purpose. I didn't realize I was positioned on purpose with the birds coming flying in and eating out of my, and they were swimming in my pools. I didn't realize that I was their positioning. And God said, I intentionally had you live here so that you could water this so that they can come down and have fun. 
And then when you were talking about taking out that little bird pool, you didn't. You procrastinated. Your procrastination was my positioning. Oh, come on, somebody. Because I knew that one day they would need to come and swim when the recession would happen, and I would use them as a testimony of how good I am and how good you don't know that I am yet. I want you to know God is positioning you, and you have no idea. You can be positioned to be the blessing or be blessed by someone that is positioned to be the blessing. Either way, positioning is happening. Moses is, is destined by God to be a deliverer. There's a challenge in Moses' life, which is really powerful and amazing if you, don't, if you don't really get it. We see the chapter and we read that it says that Moses, a man picked a woman and she, they come together and they have a little baby, right? Then next, you know, the little baby comes out and he goes. But the fact is, is there's so much of the backstory that we don't get. The Hebrew, the Hebrew teachers tell us that Moses' parents separated from each other. They were already married. They have a daughter, Miriam. They separate from each other because they don't want to bring another child into the devastation of the world that they're living in. In a world of bondage, in a world of being controlled by a pharaoh, in a world of poverty, in a world where, ch where children are going to be challenged or be put to slavery, they didn't want to bring any more children to perpetuate the slavery. And so they separated. Miriam had a dream. And in this dream, she says, the Lord says that there's going to be a son brought to your parents and he's going to be the deliverer to get everyone out of this. She goes to the parents and says, listen, you guys have to come back together because there is a deliverer that's supposed to come through you. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know that what you're running from could be the very thing. Uh, you don't know, you don't know that the thing that you're running from could be the very thing that brings deliverance to your family and brings deliverance to your friends and the neighbor and the city you work in. I want you to know, oh, did I get too intense? I thought this was the intense service. I want you to know, you don't know that God could be orchestrating something, but you're running from it. I won't start that business that, but you don't know that it could be the one thing that disrupts everything. I won't start that school yet. I won't write that stuff. I won't do that yet. But you need to know it may be the very thing that the whole earth is waiting for because God is looking for a deliverer. He says that you got to get together. Parents, they remarry, they get together. Then they have a, they have a son. His name is, his, they don't, we don't know his Hebrew name, but he has, they have a son and she nurses him. She takes care of him for about three months. And then she's, the Bible says that she has to, she has to get rid of him because she can't, he can't stay there any longer. He's, he's just too old. He's leaving his toys everywhere. <laughs> he's going to get us all killed. I can't hide you anymore. You got to go. So the best solution, I'm going to put you and send you down the river. Sometimes your best, it's amazing what God's, I, God will use. This is our best idea. We're going we're gonna to make a basket. And, and you know what we're going to do is I, we learned how to take, take, you know, tar and we learned how to take you know cement and we learned how to take this asphalt and put it with and we learned that as slaves it's amazing what you learn as slaves can set up your deliverance they put it in the basket and they she puts in and i'm thinking you are really good at this skill set because you know that you can put a baby in it and it won't sink don't don't mistrust the skills that you learned in your bondage 
They take the baby and she puts it. She says, this is the best idea. We don't know where he's going to go. Return to Cinder. It's the story. I'm just telling you a story. It's just... Sends the baby down the river. Miriam's going, I need to see where this baby goes because I saw him. I saw him delivering. I need to see. And at the same time, while the baby's rolling down the, the river, <laughs> rolling down, rolling, rolling, rolling down the river. Uh, okay. That's going to be in the hero. So she's watching, she's watching the baby go down the river. At the same time, Pharaoh's daughter comes out and she's gonna, she's gonna bathe and she has all of her, her, her helpers come and their maidens, they're coming. And, and all of a sudden she sees amongst the reeds this, this little basket. And she, she says, get the basket, bring the basket over. As she brings the basket, they bring the basket over. They open up the top and Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter, is this the only name we get for her, Pharaoh's daughter. What's your name, Pharaoh's daughter? They open up the basket and, Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby. And it's really interesting. I read the Bible very differently. I read the Bible as if it's a movie the whole time. And, and so the whole time I'm thinking, she has no response other than until the baby cries. When the baby cries, then the Bible says she has compassion on it. There's no compassion until there's a cry. It's amazing how many things that God delivers after someone cries out. At that time, she has compassion, and she says, this is one of those Hebrew children. And she recognizes that it's not an Egyptian child, it's a Hebrew child, which talks about the origin. And so she says, I need to, there needs to be someone to take care of this. At the same time, Miriam comes popping out of the bushes. <laughs> Sorry, this is my movie. This is, this is my movie. You get to join my movie. Miriam comes popping out of the bushes. She's like, I have an idea. Why don't I go get one of the women from the village and she can come and take care of this? She says, that's a great idea. Miriam goes back to the Hebrew community and she says, mom, Pharaoh's daughter has the baby. You are going to go there. And so mom goes and can you imagine mom shows up to Pharaoh's house and all of a sudden she's looking at her baby, the thing she gave birth to, but she couldn't take care of. Anyone giving birth to something that's too big for you? Anyone, 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 come on, somebody, I need somebody. This is the third service. Anyone giving birth to something too big for you? The power of the wealth transfer is that you give birth to things too big for you, and then God has to make sure that Pharaoh pays for it. Mom comes to Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter says, listen, I want you to go, and I want you to nurse the child, raise him up a little bit longer, and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you wages. I mean, it was good. I, you had me at take care of my own son. Come on, take care of what you birthed. Yeah, that's great. Now I'm going to get paid for it. I get to do what I love to do and get paid for it. I get to do what I love to do and get paid for it. Oh, you just, no, this is just getting way too out of control. 
And this is about being positioned on purpose. The next thing you know, the next thing you know, she's getting paid to take care of the baby that she's birthed. And what's really powerful is this is what wealth transfer looks like. In time, transference of wealth is going to happen in this season for the marketplace where that which Pharaoh thought it was doing, it actually is providing for the kingdom of God to do. She takes, she takes the baby and she nurses the baby and then she brings the baby back when it's of, of age. And the next thing uh, you see in the Bible, the Bible says that Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses, takes the baby in and she calls this child her, this is my, this is my son. It's amazing. One thing of compassion now has birthed this move of, of increase and then has brought this positioning of, of purpose with Moses to be brought into a house. Now think about this. Can I help you, can, can I help you think the way I think? You got to come to my movie. Here, here she is. She takes him out and then she says, his name is Moses. Now, I, I always thought Moses had his name given by his parents, but Pharaoh's daughter gave him the name Moses which means to be drawn out of the water. I thought to myself, this is amazing. That when God is going to do something for you, he doesn't actually need the references of your past to do it. That the first reference she has of him is he's been come out of the water. The next thing you know, he goes from the water. Who's getting baptized next week? From the water, brought into a palace. That's all I know. Water, palace. I don't know poverty before water. I don't know slavery before water. I don't know my mom's problems, my dad's problems. I don't know any of those problems. I've been brought out of the water and brought into the palace. All I know is palace living. All I know is living in the palace. Some of us are trying to remind God where we came from. He's like, you came out of the water. Your name is Moses. I don't know any other name but coming out of the water and living in the palace. Do you remember why I used to sleep on that hard bed? No, I only know the bed that I provided for you. It's amazing because this, this scripture, I said, I've never, that happened the first, or, I want that to happen every time I snap my fingers. <laughs> Can you make it happen? <laughs> Who, who's the, the rainmaker? Come on. <laughs> what's, really, uh, what's really powerful is the fact that I recognize adoption here. I'd never noticed that this was an adoption story. I never recognized that this was a story of an, a, a baby who was born to one family and adopted into another family. Not just borrowed, but a completely, this is my son. And I started to think about the idea of Jesus. When Jesus was leaving, he came, he went on the cross, died in the grave, was coming up and was going to the father. And Mary's looking for him and, and she goes to grab him in the garden. She says, he says, don't touch me because I first have to ascend to my 
my father and your father. That means that his whole story was bringing us into adoption. That that was not, the cross was not just about getting me saved. The, the cross was not about getting me saved. It's about bringing me into an adopted family, a family that would bring me out of one lifestyle and bring me into another lifestyle that I'm being positioned on purpose. See, he, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, listen, I need you to understand I'm not going to leave you as orphans. That means your, your original position of humanity is orphan. That, that I'm not the only orphan because I didn't know my father and I don't know my father and I don't know who he is and I don't know his name. I'm not the only orphan. That literally all of humanity. Beginning stage is an, a spirit of orphan. And I want you to know what I'm after this, this revival that I'm after is breaking an orphan spirit, breaking the spirit of an orphan because the spirit of an orphan is really, really the begging spirit. And I think the revival that God wants to release is that revival that says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. That's the, call you guys, that's the revival. See, an orphan... An orphan, the Bible says an orphan has to pay for everything for themselves. They don't actually have a father to take care of. And Lamentation says an orphan has to pay for the, we're orphans, we have to pay for our own water. We're orphans, we have to buy our own. <laughs> Only one? Breaking the orphan spirit, I want abundance. I believe that the thing that I'm dealing with the most with men is an orphan spirit because men want to do it themselves. They want to prove it, that I can do it. They, 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 they don't want to actually have a fathering spirit come into their life that says, let me help you. That's why I appreciate the campus leaders in this church that they're saying we have a father and we're going to embrace that father and we're going to allow him to empower us to take what is on him and what is on us, and we're going to go further, faster. This got quiet all of a sudden. I got to I want you to understand that this, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you orphan, but I'm releasing the spirit of God. I'm releasing the spirit of truth to you, and the, he's going to tell you the truth. So you don't have to be an orphan. Another scripture in Romans says this. Romans says that, that you have not you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear. Now, you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear. I always thought I said you've not received the spirit of bondage, which is fear. But it says it's bondage, which leads me into a fear. I want you to know it's the fact that word bondage means to have a slave life, a life of a slave. Something that is only when handouts are coming. Rations, come on, rations are being given out. That's a slave mindset. Can I have some more, sir, please? Some more, sir. Please, sir. I want you to know that God doesn't want you to feel like when you're coming to him that you're getting rations. Because that's, that's pre-baptism. But after the baptism, I get to live in the palace. 
Can I get something out of the fridge? It's your house. Go get something out of the fridge. Stop asking if you can get something out of the fridge. You want to get them out of the fridge at the middle of the night, in the morning, in the afternoon? Go get something out of that. Don't you ask me again. I talk to people who, who, bring, who bring in foster children or they've adopted people who bring... And, and they say the one thing that we have to deal with is the fact that they, children are always having to have scarcity in their minds dealing with food that comes around the, the table and they're all trying to get a, they pile the plate up because they don't think there's any more coming. I'd just say the children, I'd say my daughter, honey, you don't have to hide your chips upstairs. Your brothers will eat them, but I can go get you more. She knows that devourers are coming. Because those boys don't let anything in the house. It's like, clunk, 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 clunk. It's like Pac-Man. I'm not even almost done. Okay, here we go. You have not been given, you have not received the spirit of bondage. What does that mean, the spirit of bondage? Do you know that you only can be afraid of what, can, what you think can bind you? You're not afraid of anything that you think can't whoop you. Have someone this big come, like, shoot, <laughs> You guys, you get this, sorry. I'm not even afraid. But something like this. You're only afraid of what you think has, is binding you, has, has controlled you, or could control you. But if, if you don't think that it can get you, then you don't have any fear of it. So you've got to break bondage because I want you to know you will never be bound again. Oh, you don't believe me. You'll never be bound again another day of your life. All right, I'll give you proof. I'll give you proof. Thank you, Mitchell. That's why you got two books. <laughs> I want you to understand this. The Bible says that you've, you, but you have received the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption. Not just that you're adopted, but you received the, the spirit of adoption. By, by whom you cry out, Abba, Father. See, I don't cry out by my flesh or my carnal understanding, but there's times that I see God, I say, God, I don't know if you want it. And all of a sudden the anointing will hit and I'll go, oh, you, I feel like you want that for me. Even though my mind's going, that's too big for you. Anyone ever have that? Uh, I don't know if I can do that, but you go, something inside of me wants it. Why do you want to go to the nations? Why do you want to do the things that are in your heart? Why do you want to build a big business? Why do you want to have a church? Why? There's something inside of you that's crying. Father wants you to have it. So that sometimes we go shopping and I'm going, I don't know. And the Holy Spirit goes, yes. <laughs> Blessed and highly favored. Ah, no, shucks. No. Abba. See, we think he, he wants us to know what it's like to live in the palace. And we think he's just telling us Abba for small things. But he wants you to go. Oh, you want that, don't you? 
See, I can't pick things that I, 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 I can't pick anything by price anymore. I have to pick everything by Abba. Spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba. Then he says, if you're Abba, not only Abba, you, you need a witness. And, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit is, is witnessing to your spirit. I want you to get this because the, when, you, when you have the Holy Spirit witnessing to your spirit, he is not sitting there going, oh, I don't know if you can have that because I know where you come from. Your background, your, your family's never had anything. Uh, don't ever have a big expectation. Think small because you guys have always had small. That, that's a flesh. That, we, that would be witnessing to your flesh, but he witnessed to your spirit that you can't use any of your flesh excuses. Uh, but you don't know where I come from. I don't want to hear that. I want to witness to your spirit. I want to witness to your spirit that you are a child of God and a child of God is not going to think that way. A child of God thinks that there's more when you have already used up everything. A child of God thinks that there's, there's more. I'm amazed by God's building practices. Gold floors. Pearl gates. And, he, and I'm thinking, if I could just have a little wooden house, please. It's amazing how we sit and we pray and we have fasting days for provision. God, will you please provide for me a house? Even though the Bible says you're my provider. I remember the Lord said to me, he said, Tracy, houses that you didn't build, vineyards that you didn't, wells that you didn't. He says, that's all provision. And he says, and by the way, you need to understand who I'm having build your house. He says, giants are building your house. So that means you're going to have to be able to go to a door and go. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That, do that door needs to be able to fit a giant into it. <laughs> and you need a big. Come on, somebody. He's building something bigger than you can imagine. Bigger than what you can imagine. He gave me a picture. I know I'm going over time. This is the last service. I'm going over time. He gave me, he gave me a picture going up to the house with the bed that, he, that I didn't build that the giant built for me. And he said, you would have to climb a long time to get in the middle of it because it's built for a giant. You need to have some bearing of witness. He says, not only are you a child, but he says, a child that is an heir, an heir of God and a joint heir. Joint heir is beautiful because that means we're, we're, we're the same, not different. He doesn't have a lifestyle that I shouldn't have. I remember the Lord woke me up one morning and I have a prompting. You ever have a prompting where you're going, I think that's God speaking to me. I knew it was God. He said to me, he said this, he said, Tracy, you have bills. I was like, hell. I thought we were working on that. He says, you have bills. I said, yeah. He goes, Jesus has no bills. Yeah, he's a favorite one. He says, no, you're joint. 
if he has no bills, you shouldn't have bills. Of course, you have to pay your electric bill, but unless you go solar. <laughs> you got to know your context. No time to laugh. I have no time to laugh. He says, Jesus has no bills. I said, yeah, but God, there's a problem here because he's Jesus and I'm me. He goes, but you're joint. You have a joint heir. You know, when you, when, when you study the idea of being adopted, the idea of being adopted is that you have a seat at the table that's been there from the foundations of the world. It's never, it's not like you're adopted and now you're in the family. You've been in the family the whole time. And so what Jesus did is he chose to move over on his chair and save the seat from you for you from the foundation. So you can co-heir from the same throne. So when you have a joint heir, I, I was watching, I just wanted to go and watch this clip, Crimson Tide. In Crimson Tide, there was Hugh Jackman, not Hugh Jackman, Gene, Gene Hackman, Got that messed up. Gene Hackman. <laughs> I mean, that would have been messed up for Denzel. Though <laughs> no, I don't want to turn a. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Hugh Jackman. G Thank you. Gene Hackman wanted to shoot a missile. Denzel Washington, in his part, said, no, I don't want to. But you needed co in order to make it happen you can't just have one person turn the key and shoot it you need the second person to turn the key and only at the second person's turn can you shoot it the the bible says that you are joint heirs co-heirs with christ if you suffer with him that word suffer is the word sum sumpasco which is two words which compound and make one word which is same feeling the only reason you and I don't have the co is because we don't feel the same about it. I feel God needs to take care of my bills. When Jesus says, I'm just signing off on my bills right now, and I'm going to get all of heaven behind it. Or let's do it this way. Person, God says, I heal all cancer. And we go, God, if you really want to heal cancer, then you'll heal me. That's not co, because he doesn't feel the same about it. He says, be healed. And we say, please heal. See, when I use the same authority in my life that he uses in his life, then we will be co. We'll feel the same. I hate sickness. I hate disease. I hate poverty. And now I hate it. Oh, did I get too intense? I hate it. And one of the things I know is that he's over there going, I hate it. God doesn't hate anything. Yeah, he showed that pattern that he hates divorce. So he hates all evil. It's the sign of the fear of the Lord. He hates poverty. He hates poverty. What? Some people are impoverished. No, that's not hating it. Ugh, I'm done. He hates it. So when you have the same feeling, when Moses was in that basket and he was crying, I want to be loved. The moment 
Pharaoh's daughter saw him, she was moved with compassion and says, I want to love you. That same feeling caused purpose to happen. Well, in Chronicles, there's a writing. We know the chapter because we read, we all prayed the prayer of Jabez. In that, it says the prayer of Jabez, and then it goes through all this other lineage, other lineage. And then one little verse, I read past it over and over until I was studying some Hebrew stuff recently when I was studying this Moses thing. And it said, and the daughter of Pharaoh, then it finally gives a name. When you study in Hebrew that her name, Bethiah, was is not a name, it's a statement. And her statement is now, she goes from being the, the daughter of Pharaoh to now her name is the daughter of Jehovah. That the moment she brought Moses, which was God's plan, into her family, God then says, I am now going to adopt you into my family. That you rejected what your father Pharaoh wanted, which was to kill all the babies. I bring you into my family no matter what my Pharaoh dad wants. God says, I bring you into my family no matter what your Pharaoh dad wants. And the power of the same feeling gave this woman a destiny written in the scriptures that she would have been bypassed if she didn't have that same feeling to love Moses the way he wanted to be loved. Are you guys tracking with me? I'm going to ask you to do something with me as we close. Would you stand to your feet for a moment? And if you're here and you say, I want to have that same feeling that Jesus has. I want to I want to go from being an orphan, a spirit of an orphan, to embracing the adoption that I've been given. I want to receive the adoption that Jesus has paid the price for me to be brought into the family. I want to receive that adoption, and I want to walk in what God has planned for me. If you are here and you say, I know that I have a purpose, and I want to be positioned in that purpose. Will you lift your hand? If you want to be, I want to pray a prayer and I want to pray with you. I want to do an action with you. If you believe that God has more for you on this side other than the other side, if you believe that God has a future for you, that you weren't saved from something, but you were saved to something. Maybe you don't know yet and we're going to have a moment for you to get saved. I want to, I want to just, is there anyone you say, I know that there's more. Just lift your hand for me. And I want you to form like you're going to either turn a key or you're going to turn your fob, your key fob. You're going to do something. <laughs> and what I want us to do is I want us to have the same feeling that Jesus has right now of how he loves you and how he cares for you and how he believes for a better day for you and that the old has passed away and behold, he's doing something new. On your miracle that you're believing for, I'm going to count the three and we're going to, we're going to yell and we're going to turn that key and we're going to celebrate that breakthrough that we are no longer in the pauper's house, but we are in the palatial palace of God positioned on purpose. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.